Good evening, church. Welcome to the final life class for the month of July. What a wonderful month it has been. Divine shifts on the left, on the right, all around us. God is faithful, always keeping us. And what an exhilarating series we've had. Are you wearing it? The armor of God. Well, we conclude tonight with another message. Let's go right into God's word. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 13 to verse 18. That whole portion that talks about the armor of God. It says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Hallelujah. In this conclusion of our series on the armor of God, we will be examining the final piece of the armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the simple subject of my meditation tonight is the sword of the spirit, or if you like, the sword and the spirit. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Mighty Father, Help me tonight. Speak through me like only you can. And cause your people to be edified, blessed, enabled, and illuminated to live victorious Christian lives, fully equipped with the items of the armor of God. In Jesus' mighty name I do pray. Amen. Hallelujah. It's been a great journey so far. Paul is using the analogy of armor to teach us deep truths the choice of armor brings to focus the reality of our spiritual warfare we are called to war we engage in spiritual warfare and battle in order to stand victorious in this spiritual warfare in order to occupy the finished work we need to put on the full armor the whole armor of god or what it represents the belt of truth which pulls everything together and helps us to avoid shame the breastplate of righteousness that is our right standing before god and our confidence to approach him the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace which is how we effectively in interact with the world for the advancement of the kingdom of god the shield of faith which is what we use to quench every fiery dart of the enemy the helmet of salvation which protects our minds knowing that we are saved and we will be saved all these various pieces of the armor of god are primarily defensive in nature save one and that's the one we're dealing with tonight the final piece of the armor is offensive it comes against things it's not defending it's attacking it is the sword of the spirit the sword of the spirit okay what is the primary purpose of a sword 
A sword is offensive. It's not defensive. That's the primary purpose of a sword. To attack, to, 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 to move forward, to advance. It is important to note that this is what the sword is. The sword is the one weapon we have to be able to attack and therefore defeat the enemy. It's on the advance. It's on the front foot. But listen to the scripture as we break it down. It says the sword of the spirit. So it is important to note that this sword is not really your sword as much as it is the sword of the spirit, the spirit of God. Is the spirit of God that is meant to wield this sword. Hallelujah. Whenever you wield the sword of the spirit without the spirit, it becomes a danger even to you. <laughs> because you are not fully equipped to be able to wield this sword of the spirit, which is the word of God by yourself, is the sword of the spirit is the spirit that is actually the enabler for wielding the sword. Can I put it this way? Whenever you wield the sword of the spirit without the Holy Spirit, without the help of the spirit, it becomes the letter that killeth instead of the spirit that giveth life. Ooh, Jesus. When you wield the sword of the spirit without the spirit, it does you more harm and potentially can kill you as opposed to when you will the spirit, the word of the spirit with the spirit. Open your Bibles quickly and let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think or think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Who has made us sufficient, sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So he's saying here that we as ministers of the new covenant, we minister the spirit and not the letter. Because if we were only ministering the letter, then it would kill. But when we minister by the Spirit, it gives life. We are wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of, the word, word of God, by the Spirit and with the Spirit of God. Do you see what it's saying here? This is important. When you go into the Greeks here, Greek scripture here, it's saying that the letter there is Logos, while the Spirit there is Rhema. The letter is simply the written word of God. When you are only dealing with the written word of God and you, you, the spirit is not breathing upon, upon it, then it can kill. But when the spirit of God breathes upon the letter, because the word that is translated, talking about of the spirit here, is talking about rhema, the spoken word of God. It's breathed upon word. That gives life. To wield this sword, to wield the sword of the Spirit, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You must always invite the help of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to handle the sword of the Spirit. Another scripture I'm going to quickly, we're going to quickly look at is in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 14. A bit of a read, but very important. But as it is written, 
I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. For God has revealed them to us through his what? Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the thing of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, it says here that we need the Holy Spirit. It's telling you that this, 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 the things of the Spirit, the things of the Word of God, have to be spiritually discerned. You need the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches the Word of God. In fact, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit coming after him, he says that he will lead you into all truth. He will speak of me. He's the one that illuminates the Word. He's the one that speaks the truth. So to wield the Word of God effectively, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to successfully wield the sword of the spirit every time you sit down to at the word of god you need to ask for the help of the holy spirit never assume that you know it by yourself no always lean upon the holy spirit i'm i'm approaching the word of god holy spirit help me holy spirit shine the light holy spirit give me insight the sword of the spirit is the word of god you need the spirit to help you to understand to grasp to be an a, 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 an excellent user if you like of god's word open your bibles quickly to hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 powerful portion of scripture it says for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the spirit and the soul, the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. The word of God is living and powerful. The word of God is powerful. God does nothing without his word. Anytime God wants to do anything, he does it with his word. Other translations start to tell us more about this. It says that the word of God is active. The word of God is full of life, full of power, operative, energizing, and effective. The word of God. He delivers us from all of our iniquities and all of our diseases. Why? He sends his word. He, whenever God wants to do anything, he sends his word. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1. And the word was with God and the word was God. And there is nothing that was created without the word. The word of God is powerful. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is 
powerful indeed it is life changing it is the source of all things when the earth was without form and void what did god do god sent his word let there be hallelujah it's powerful it's active it's not a dead document it's not a archaic irrelevant uh, um, document no it's full of life it's full of power it's operating it's energizing it's effective and it can handle and deal with all of your situations and all of your circumstances and lead to total liberty and freedom in the mighty name of jesus the word of god is sharper that hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 said is sharper than any two-edged sword and it's a two-edged sword itself did you get it the word of god which is the sword of the spirit is sharper than any two-edged sword and it is a two-edged sword itself the word of god cuts both ways hallelujah the word of god cuts both ways hallelujah before you can effectively use the word of god against the enemy you must first use it on yourself before you can effectively use the word of god against the enemy you must first of all use the word of, of god on yourself let the word of god work on you first let the sword of the spirit work on you first what does a sword do a sword cuts things off let the word of god cut you first let it cut that bad attitude out of you let it cut that flawed character out of you let it cut that unholiness out of you let it cut that weakness out of you let it cut that confusion out of you let it cut you first let it expose the difference between your soul and your spirit Ooh, glory to god let it show you the difference let the word of God expose to you, you know, that when you got born again instantaneously, your spirit was perfected. The Holy Spirit went in, perfected that space up. But now your mind has to be renewed by what? The word of God. It has to be renewed by the word of God. So now the word of the God itself shows you the discrepancy, the gap between what is already done and finished in your, uh, your, your, your spirit and what is not yet completed and concluded in your soul so that you can now see the difference and start to align renew your soul to agree with what is done in your spirit let it discern the, the the thoughts and intents of your heart your true motivations the things that are pushing you let the word of god work on you first let the word of god work on you first in the book of ephesians and chapter 5 and verse 26 ephesians 5 26 and he said, he says there, talking about Jesus and the church, he said that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Let the word of God wash you. Let the word of God wash you. Let the word of God cleanse you. Some people tell you that all oh, that church you are going to, all that midweek life class you are listening to, it's brainwashing you. Yeah, they're right. It's brainwashing you. It's washing out all that junk. It's washing out all that nonsense. It's washing, up, washing out all of that negativity. It's washing out all that fear and doubt and unbelief. And it's washing in life and life more abundantly. Glory to God. Colossians 3 and 16 says, let the word of Christ be 
dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ, the word of God work on you first. And after you've let the word of God work on you, then you can use the word of God against the enemy and against the world. Glory to God. Listen to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Hallelujah. That's the sequence. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you are resisting the, the, the devil and he's not fleeing, maybe it's because you have not fully submitted to God. The sequence is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. To submit to God is to submit to the word of God. Let the word work on you first. Let it cut you. Let it cleanse you. Let it renew your mind. Let it set you up for glory. Let the word of God work on you first. Then you can use it against the enemy. This is what we need to do. We need to take up the sword of the spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we use to ultimately vanquish the enemy, defeat the enemy and establish our victory. Paul finally concludes his teaching on the armor of God by calling us back to the place of prayer. Hallelujah. He says, after he talks about the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, he says, praying always with all prayer. All right. So we need to go back to the place of prayer. After we've grasped all of the elements of the armor, we now need to take all those elements into the place of prayer. Now, the place of prayer is not just the place of talking and, and blabbing and like we would often do. It's also the place of meditation. So what you need to do is that all these truths that we've shared about the elements of the armor of God, you take them into a quiet place and you meditate on them. Meditation is part of prayer. You meditate upon them that you, you suck out and grasp the, 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 the juice and the insight that is in all of these things. And then you give yourself wholly over to them. And then you are able to use these truths appropriately in the place of prayer. You will instinctively and spiritually know which uh, item, which principle, which truth to apply to any particular situation. The scripture says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor, every bit of it. Then you take that whole armor into the place of prayer and you are able to pray effective prayers and get the results that you desire. I'm praying for you today that you will, there will be no part of your uh, uh, armor that will be absent, but the whole armor will be absent. The other thing that I want you to note as, as we are rounding up the thoughts tonight is this, that of all the armor, there's none, no armor for the back. 
There's no armor for the back. In everything that Paul described, there's no armor for the back. And the, the instruction that is there is that we're not meant to turn our backs. The scripture says that those that lay their hands upon the plow should not turn back. Those that turn back, they are not worthy of the call. Lot's wife was told not to look back. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. We are, God has, has us covered on every area on the front, hallelujah, but not on our back. We are meant to stand our ground, face forward, press forward, refuse to allow the enemy call you, cause you to turn your back because your back is exposed. Don't expose your back to the enemy. Keep on pressing on, regardless of what you're facing, what you're going through right now. Keep on pushing forward. God's got your back. You just keep on moving forward. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the worship. We, we just bless you for your word. We bless you for the provision of all of these things for our protection, preservation, and our success. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory. Amen. If you are not saved, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Please don't harden your heart. Rather, respond and receive him today. If you're ready, repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for the price that you paid. Today, I repent of my sins and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. Thank you. By faith right now, therefore, I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, you are indeed saved and we are so elated, excited to receive you into the body of Christ. We want to help you to grow from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. So please uh, direct message us on any of our social media platforms. Send us an email, call the phone number or follow the pathway that's on our website. And let's help you to grow in the Lord, to move from being a child to becoming a mature son. You need to be planted in the house of God so that you can really, really flourish in the courts. Now is an opportunity once again for us to partner with God's work, work, work by giving, giving financially to the work. Please cho choose the, 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 the pathway that is most preferred by you to use. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to give generously, give abundantly. Um, don't withhold your tithe. The tithe is not nullified. The premise for it is totally different under the new covenant. Under the old covenant, tithing was out of fear and guilt. Under the new covenant, it's a choice. And it is out of love and faith. In fact, can I go a step further and let you know that under the new covenant, the requirement, if there is a requirement, or our attitude towards God is our all. We give our all to God. So the tithe is the minimum. Give generously to the work of the Lord. 
I speak blessings over you and over your giving. I decree and declare that even in these days, my God will show up for you. He will supply for all of your need according to his riches in glory. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Uh, let's close out this service with the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you.